Welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. It's your host, Jay Sohota here. You know the drill by now. And we got another jam-packed episode on tap as we recap week 16 in the NFL. It's pretty wild that we're already heading into week 17 of this 2020 NFL season. I swear to God, it felt like it was just week one yesterday. And here we are heading into the regular season finale next week. On today's episode, we got a lot to get to. We will talk. 49ers Cardinals best 49er memories of 2020 of course this will be the final 49er way podcast episode of the calendar year of 2020 next week we turn the page to 2021 week 16 headlines from around the rest of the league it was a wild one and a ton of playoff clinching scenarios to get to it's a mess in the AFC it's a mess in the NFC but don't worry we'll get to all of that as we'll break down the week 17 playoff clinching scenarios later on in this episode And we will finish off this episode with revealing the week 16 weekly award winners for this week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. So with that, we'll kick off today's episode by getting to the 49ers Cardinals game on Saturday. It was the second of a triple header you know, there wasn't a lot to make out of this game. The 49ers were heading into this game 5-9, and nine, already eliminated from the postseason. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, he's not playing. Nick Mullins goes down, he's not playing. So the 49ers are now down to C.J. Beathard going into this game. They missed some guys on defense. Richard Sherman did not play in this game. Jimmy Ward did not play in this game. Javon Kinlaw did not play in this game. So you kind of get that Raheem Mostert also did not play in this game. So you kind of get the just of, you know... Eh, we're not really sure what to make out of this game. Are the 49ers going to make it a game? Are they going to get blown out? The Cardinals are trying to fight for their playoff chances in this game. If they win, they drastically improve their chances. So you didn't really know what to make out of this game. But here come in the 49ers. 5-9, and nine, eliminated from the playoffs, basically have nothing to play for. They bring back a healthy George Kittle. Because Kyle Shanahan said, I could not look the rest of the team in the eye and say, George Kittle's not playing if he's healthy, but the rest of you guys have to. So George Kittle comes back, C.J. Beathard starts, and what do the 49ers do? They played an excellent football game. They only turned the ball over once, and really it wasn't even C.J. Beathard's fault. They get two turnovers for a change. They don't penalize themselves in in key situations. C.J. Beathard showed up. He made some clutch throws when he needed to. The run game was flawless, and the 49ers upset the Arizona Cardinals 20-12, and deliver a deathly blow to the Arizona Cardinals' playoff hopes. I bet you could have predicted that before this game, because I didn't. But I mean, I always had faith in this team. I always had faith in this team that I I hope they're going to make this a game, and you know, they still have a lot of talent on that football field, even with all the injuries. This is still the defending NFC champions that we're talking about here, and I know there's only a week left that I can say that NFC defending NFC champion 49ers as they will not be NFC champions anymore after this week but still they played like it this was an amazing effort amazing game of well-coached game by Kyle Shanahan a great game by CJ Beathard and that run game was absolutely flawless and that NFC championship type mentality showed up in this game on to some team stats here 22 first downs that if it almost felt like the Cardinals offense was on the field more in this game. But when the 49ers offense was on the field, 
they they made the most out of their opportunities and of course it came down to a few missed Robbie Gold few goals and this game could have been 26 to 12 it could have been a much larger lead than what it looked like only a one possession game 22 first downs the Niners struggled on third downs there were two for nine 227 rushing yards I'll get to Jeff Wilson in just a bit but the running game was cooking and I've been saying this all year and every single 49er fan knows it when Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner and that run game and that offensive line and Kyle Juszczyk and you get George Kittle back when all those things come into play and come together, you know it's a bad thing for the opposing defense. And Kyle Shanahan saw a hole in this Cardinals defense and took advantage of it. 227 rushing yards, you usually know when that happens, it results in a 49er victory and that's exactly what happened. 171 passing yards, this was the perfect game plan. CJ Beathard hasn't started a game in over a year and a half and he didn't need to do too much. When the running game is, is was as good as it was on Saturday, C.J. Beathard didn't need to do much. And he came in, he made the plays that he needed to, he made the throws that he needed to. Beathard was amazing. 398 total yards, great effort overall by the offense. Three sacks by the defense. The defense played excellent. This was one of the best games all year that this defense played considering there was no Richard Sherman, no Jimmy Ward, no Javon Kinlaw, no Nick Bosa, no Solomon Thomas. You you get the point here. You get the just. And the 49ers had two turnovers. Fred Warner, Pro Bowl Freddy, doing what he does, forcing a fumble, gets the recovery late in that third quarter, and then Akello Witherspoon comes up with another interception. I'll get to Witherspoon in a bit as well. The 49ers, they didn't even win time time of possession in this game. 32 minutes for Arizona, 27 for San Francisco. I think you kind of get the gist of how this game went. This was just a well-played game by Robert Sala's defense, and the 49ers' offense made the most out of their opportunities when they had the ball. It was a very well-put-together game, offense, defense, special teams, all three phases. Great win, great team win for the 49ers in this one. Individual stats. I talked a little bit about everyone, but now we'll kind of get to each player here. C.J. Beathard. I mean, even in 2017 when he replaced Brian Hoyer and he came in, C.J. Beathard continuously proves to be this guy that is willing to take a hit for his team, willing to put it all out there on the line for this team. And he is a guy that you want to rally around. Is C.J. Beathard... Tom Brady? No. Is C.J. Beathard, you know, Aaron Rodgers? No. Is he Lamar Jackson? No. But for some weird reason, C.J. Beathard can run occasionally. He's not, you know, Usain Bolt or anything, but the guy can run. He, he had a few designed, Kyle Shannon drew up a few designed runs for C.J. Beathard, and he had 18 rushing yards. But C.J. Beathard has a big arm. He has a big arm. He made some great throws to George Kittle in this game. 13 for 22, 182 yards, three touchdowns, and most importantly, no interceptions. Very clean game, very great game, and I admire C.J. Beathard because this was an emotional game for him. This was almost a year, almost a year now it has been since last year, late in December, C.J. Beathard lost his brother to a tragic death and C.J. Beathard had to leave the team. I think the Niners played the Rams the day after that happened. So the Niners went into the game with heavy hearts. And C.J. Beathard gets his first start in over a year and a half 
just over a year since that happened to him. And for him to come out and play like that, I mean, that is what I mean when I say C.J. Beathard is a guy that you want to play for and you want to play hard for. And the 49ers did just that. C.J. Beathard, my hat's off, go to him. And I said it last week with Mullins hurt and Mullins showed what he showed that he is not the guy to be the backup quarterback of this football team. C.J. Beathard aced his first audition. He'll get his second audition against the Seahawks in Week 17. But C.J. Beathard made a very good case to stay on this football team at the end of this year. He's a free agent after this year. Jeff Wilson. My man. This guy cooked 22 carries for 183 yards and a touchdown. Jeff, okay, I've been saying this all year. I know everyone talks about Raheem Mostert after what he did last year in the NFC Championship game, over 200 yards and all that. And, you know, we got Tevin Coleman, you know, who's who's been pretty good. He's been awful this year. And you got Jarek McKinnon coming off an injury. But the one guy who nobody talks about, except if you're a 49ers fan, you know that Jeff Wilson's got game. But if you're not a 49er fan and you're looking at this team, you're like, who the heck is Jeff Wilson? This guy is a stud. And in my opinion, he is the second best running back on this team. When Raheem Mostert's injured, he is the best running back on this team. But more importantly, this just goes to show you what Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner do in this run game. These guys are two of the best in the business to do it. They take guys who are undrafted free agents and they make them into superstars. And that is what they did. Jeff Wilson went from an undrafted free agent to a stud because he plays on Kyle Shanahan's football team. Jeff Wilson was outstanding. I think he deserves to be on this team next year. I think him and Mostert deserve to be the running backs next year. My only issue is Mostert more than Wilson is injury prone. Jeff Wilson is a tad bit injury prone too. So that's the only worrisome factor. But when Wilson and Mostert are healthy, they are up to no good. And Jeff Wilson showed that on Saturday. My hat's off. Go to him. Wilson, outstanding effort. He cooked and I hope he gets one more week to cook the Seahawks in week 17. George Kittle. The people's tight end returned to action. He didn't play every snap. He was on a snap count. But yet he still got four catches for 92 yards. This is just the effect of George Kittle. He affected the pass game. He affected the run game. The run game was drastically better with him in the lineup. As it should. He's the best run blocking tight end in the National Football League. George Kittle was phenomenal. And we know him and Beathard have chemistry. And it showed. Having George Kittle back was was huge. And if we did not have him out there, I do not know if we win this football game. So my hats off actually go to Kyle Shanahan for saying, nah, we're going to put George Kittle in this game and we're going to start him. He's going to be on a snap count, but he's going to be out there. And And it paid off beautifully. Great to see George Kittle out there. I know probably made every single 49ers fan happy, every single 49ers player happy. And I'll tell you, CJ Beathard was most definitely very happy to see George Kittle out there on Saturday. Robbie Gold. I don't usually talk about Robbie Gold on this podcast enough because there's a reason for it. Robbie Gold is just straight money. There's no need to talk about him. He hardly misses field goals. He's, you know, when we need him in a clutch situation, he delivers. He's delivered, you know, many game-winning field goals, especially last year and in 2018 and 2017. But on Saturday, I don't know what in the heck was going on with my man, Robbie Gold. He missed two field goals and an extra point. I have no idea. I have never seen Robbie Gold do this since like his later years in Chicago. I'm not going to say I'm concerned because it's Robbie Gold and every kicker has their mistakes. And to be honest, 
after a lot of games that I've watched this past week, there were a lot of kickers that missed extra points and field goals. It was weird. I don't know if it's a thing going on with kickers, but Robbie Gold, he was definitely not Robbie Money in this game. But thank God this game did not come down to a field goal. So that's what matters. But yeah, a little bit of a weird you know, thing there. And of course, the Niners need to pick up his option this week. And I think they will because Kyle Shanahan stated, we're not going to base, you know, one game to say that, yeah, we're going to, you know, let Robbie walk because of one game. He's been flawless for us for the last three years. There's no need to do that. On to defense. I already kind of touched upon this Fred Warner. This guy has just been unbelievable all year long. He's going to get paid this offseason. Eight tackles, one fumble recovery. This this defense runs when Fred Warner runs. He is the engine of this defense, and I cannot wait until Nick Bosa comes back next year and both of those guys are on that field. It's going to be something special, exactly how it was last year. And then Akella Witherspoon. I mean, I know he got off to a phenomenal start last year in 2019. He got hurt, he came back, and then he just was not the same and was deemed a liability for this defense. And I think he went into Kyle Shanahan's doghouse for a little bit Shanahan put him on special teams for a little bit and now Mosley goes down Sherman goes down so now we got to put someone else K1 Williams has been gimpy at times he's been phenomenal when he's been in there though Jamar Taylor also season ending injury earlier in the year so we're low on injuries so Akella Witherspoon is on this team he's going to start Akella Witherspoon has made the most of his playing time last week against Dallas and this week against Arizona, Akella Witherspoon was fantastic and he looked a lot more like the Akella Witherspoon that we saw early in 2019. I'll tell you what, if we see that kind of Akella Witherspoon going forward, we could have pretty good cornerback depth next year, especially if we sign Jason Verrett, who's been amazing this year. But Akella Witherspoon, if he continues to show this, the Niners may not need to worry about the DB situation. Having said that, I still think the Niners should draft a DB. I still think the Niners should look into bringing in a a low-cost veteran at DB. But we'll get to all that in the offseason. No need for that. So what a game. The Niners improved to 6-9, beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals are now in a huge pickle for the playoffs, and we'll get to that later on. The Niners will play Seattle in the season finale. There's really not much to talk about in that game because there's, there's nothing to play for. You know, Seattle, they have an outside shot at getting the one seed, so they have a little bit to play for, but... Same same drill as Saturday. Let's just try and beat the Seahawks and end on a great note. I think that's the most important thing. Having said that, the 49ers will play Sunday's game against Seattle without two of arguably two of the best players on offense all year long, maybe on the entire team. Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk were out. Kyle Shanahan said yesterday they both suffered injuries, will miss this game. And honestly, I just want to tip my cap to both of them. And I'll start with Trent Williams. You know, since getting traded in April, the guy has been phenomenal. He was brought in here to replace Joe Staley. Joe Staley has been a staple to this 49ers offense for the past like 13 years. Trent Williams comes in here and he just picked up right where he left off. And he's he made the Pro Bowl this year as he well deserved it. He battled through injuries. And I think the 49ers, it's a massive priority to bring back Trent Williams in the offseason. The guy is huge and is a necessity to what the 49ers do in this zone run game. And and that's the most important thing for this 49ers team is to re-sign guys like Kyle Juszczyk and Trent Williams who are so important in the run game. But I just want to tip my cap to Trent Williams. He balled out all year. He was arguably one of the best players, one of the, the most important players on offense all year. But to stay healthy for almost every game when there's been injuries everywhere, 
on this football team. I tip my cat to Trent Williams, and I hope he is a 49er for the next five years. Brandon Ayuk. I'm not going to try to take too much time here, but like I could go on all day about how impressed I am with Brandon Ayuk. In a year with so much uncertainty and no offseason training and a limited training camp and Kyle Shannon's playbook is a very complex one to learn in that time and Debo Samuel goes down and George Kittle's been out for some time and the running game has been on and off and guys have been missing time here and there. But Brandon Ayuk showed up, became the number one target for a handful of games and balled out almost every single game. I gotta give I gotta give this kid so much credit. I mean, this is this is exactly the reason why you trade up for a guy to produce the same way that Brandon Ayuk produced this season was absolutely phenomenal. Brandon Ayuk, he's gonna be something incredibly special when him and Debo Samuel are healthy, matched up with George Kittle and our run game and a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. This this offense is going to be scary next year, and I can't wait. But everyone's just got to stay healthy. So the 49ers will play Seattle on Sunday, 425 Eastern Time on Fox, 125 Pacific. You know, not much to play for, but let's hope if we beat Seattle to end the year, it's a great way to end the year. Let's hope the 49ers can do that. Niners, Seahawks on Sunday season finale. But of course, this is the season finale. And what has been a tumultuous 2020 as a whole for the San Francisco 49ers, and it just seemed like ever since that last seven minutes of the Super Bowl, Everything just went downhill from there. And it just transpired into just an absolute disaster. And it's almost like that last seven minutes of the Super Bowl foreshadowed what was going to happen the following season for the San Francisco 49ers. It was like the Niners, you know, suffered a terrible loss in the Super Bowl. And then they just could never recover. And it's like no one on this 49ers team... you know, it got to a point where early on, it's like, okay, don't worry. Garoppolo's going to come back. Kittle's going to come back. Debo's kind of, you know, we're, we're going to get healthier. We're going to get better. And that's not, that was not the case, right? Garoppolo got injured again. Kittle got injured again. Debo got injured again. Sherman got, and you know, you, you get the whole thing. It was a rough go. And next week or the week after, I will go into a whole 49er season recap. But yes, the 2020 NFL season for the San Francisco 49ers is one to forget, no doubt. There are a couple games, especially one like this past Saturday, that are memorable games. And I think Week 6 against the Rams, Week 12 against the Rams, Week 7 against the Patriots. You know, almost all of our wins this year were memorable in their own unique ways. But it's hard to believe that in this crazy year of 2020, the 49ers had a trophy presentation at Levi Stadium. The 49ers hosted their first playoff game at Levi Stadium in 2020. The 49ers made a Super Bowl in 2020. It's it's crazy to think that that happened this year. And it's also crazy to think that all that happened right before the world went to the gutter. Like, it's... It's amazing, I'm grateful, I'm blessed, and I think every single 49er fan should be to have had that experience because this year, let's say the 49ers made the playoffs this year for the first time. Let's say they never hosted a playoff game last year. Let's say this was the first time they hosted a playoff game was in 2020. There would be no crowd. 
there would be like it just would not be the same experience that we got to witness last year. The trophy presentation would not be the same. I don't even know if Terry Bradshaw is going to be on the field handing the George Hallis trophy to the champion to the NFC champion this year. I have no idea how that is going to work based off of how I've seen other championship presentations go on in the MLB and in the NBA and such. So I don't know what's going to happen. But to have that happen, and especially Media Day, Media Day may never be the same. And to have the 49ers be a part of possibly the last real Media Day where you got people packed from all over the world, to see the 49ers in that spotlight was incredible. To watch this team from you know, 2014, 2013, and see guys like Joukowsky Tart, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, you know, guys like that grow from that time to now. And Joe Staley, you know, Raheem Mostert, there's a handful of guys that have never been in that spotlight and that we have seen go through the 5 and 11s and the and the 4 and 12s and the 0 and 9s and the 2 and 14s and to have the the spotlight of the whole world on them was incredible that is my favorite memory of 2020 the super bowl was amazing i know media day was part of the super bowl seeing the first home playoff game at levi stadium i can't even explain like what that was like like it was almost a point where I don't even believe that that was real and the game itself was phenomenal as well and then the NFC championship was just like the icing on the cake it's like again is this even happening but media day was truly I think for me the coolest memory of 2020 the best memory was obviously the George Hallis trophy presentation I mean obviously we would have loved the Lombardi trophy presentation but to just see that team hold up a trophy like that was the best memory of 2020 no question but the coolest memory was media day and to see the whole world you know spotlight on the San Francisco 49ers again for the first time in a very very long time was incredible and I and I cannot believe that that happened this year and yes was the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl yeah that was the most painful seven minutes of football I will probably ever watch unless something more terrible happens and I certainly pray on to God that that never happens and the next time the 49ers make the Super Bowl they win it but yeah that was obviously the most painful seven minutes of football I've watched and I'm sure for every single 49er fan but media day that was cool that was super cool and I it's it's not going to be the same this year and who knows what it's going to be like for years going forward I hope it gets back to somewhat what it has been as media day just keeps getting more bigger every year but that was cool. That was super cool. And that was my coolest memory of 2020 for the 49ers season. It's it's unbelievable that that happened this year. It's crazy to think that the 49ers were kings in January. And now we're in last place in the NFC West. It's, it's incredible. Obviously, I think we all know if the Niners were healthy, that wouldn't have been the case. But... It's 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 an incredible turnaround and we'll we'll finish off all of this and put the you know the 2020 season officially to rest when we do the 49 away podcast episode to recap the 49ers 2020 season as a whole and we'll talk about this a little more properly but you know that's kind of that for 
my best memory of the 49ers for 2020. And I hope that a lot of 49er fans do have good memories of that moment of, of this year of what has been an absolutely tumultuous year for everybody. On to the Week 16 headlines from around the NFL. It was a wild one. And we'll start with Christmas Day. The New Orleans Saints dismantled the Minnesota Vikings 52-33 to in a shootout. Alvin Kamara, what a day. And I'm sure he won tons of people fantasy, fantasy championships. He has he tied an NFL record with six touchdowns as the Saints, for once, finally knock out the Vikings out of the playoff picture for a change. Of course, the Vikings knocked out the Saints two out of the past three years in the postseason. The Saints remain in contention for that number one seed in the NFC, but will need some help. The Vikings are officially eliminated. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers dominated the Detroit Lions 47-7 in an absolute blowout. The Buccaneers have officially ended their current 12-year playoff drought by clinching a playoff berth on Saturday. Tom Brady had four touchdowns in the first half and then he was benched in the second half because they were up by so many points that there was just no need for him to continue that game. And it was all downhill from there for the Detroit Lions. The playoffs were expected for the Buccaneers once they signed Brady in March, but all that said, congratulations to the Buccaneers fans. It's been a long time coming for them. First time in a long time that they will see their team playing in January. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Miami Dolphins... What a game. Beat the Las Vegas Raiders at the buzzer, 26-25. This was a fantastic game on Saturday night. The Raiders needed a win to stay alive. The Dolphins would have been in a really tough spot if they had lost this game. Came down to the fourth quarter in what was an, an unbelievable five minutes. Ryan Fitzpatrick replaced Tua Tagovailoa, who was struggling in this game late. And Ryan Fitzpatrick came out with a play of the year in the dying seconds to set up the game-winning field goal. This is the second straight week and the third time this season that the Raiders have collapsed on the final drive of a game with their season on the line. What a game. And everyone talks about the Patrick Mahomes no-look pass. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick might have had one of the greatest no-look passes of all time. That was some some insane stuff that he put. That was Fitzmagic at his best. The Raiders are now officially eliminated from the playoffs. Tough luck for John Gruden and co. As for Brian, Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins, they now face a win in their in scenario next week. Good for the Dolphins. Brian Flores, I think right now, is in the lead for coach of the year. The New York Jets are winners for the second straight week. And with that, they will not have the number one pick after beating the Browns 23-16. The Jaguars will get the number one pick. The Browns had a chance to clinch their first playoff berth in 18 years, and they let that opportunity slip away. All they had to do was beat the Jets, and they couldn't do it. Having said that, I'm not going to say this is the most Cleveland Browns thing ever because it's not. They were without four wide receivers on the day due to COVID. Not Cleveland's fault. The Jets stopped the Browns' potent run game. Very, very impressive by the New York Jets. And it will be up to week 17 for the Browns to end the longest playoff drought in the NFL. The Baltimore Ravens have won their fourth in a row. Boy, are they hot or what? As they beat the New York Giants 27-13, they keep their train rolling as they keep their hopes alive. And because of some other results around the league, the Ravens now control their own destiny to make the postseason next week. While the Giants are also not done yet because of, the, or because of Washington's loss, the Giants with a win and a Washington loss, will win the NFC. So just when you thought the Giants are done after losing two in a row, 
They're not amazing stuff there. Cincinnati Bengals beat the Texans 37-31 in a meaningless game on the day. The Chicago Bears crushed the Jacksonville Jaguars 41-17. The Bears are on a roll. They have scored 30-plus points for the third straight game. And because the Niners beat the Cardinals, the Bears now control their own destiny next week for the seventh seed in the NFC as for the Jaguars, they have officially clinched the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And Trevor Lawrence is right there for them if they so choose to take him with the number one pick. The Kansas City Chiefs barely hold off the Atlanta Falcons. Gotta give credit to Raheem Morris and the Falcons defense. This game, this game came down to the wire. Gotta give the Falcons defense a ton of credit for holding that potent Chiefs defense to only 17 points on the day. But when it came down to it, you just knew what was going to happen. Patrick Mahomes has the ball with less than a minute. If you even give him the ball with a second left on the clock, you are doing something wrong. Chiefs take the lead. Falcons had a chance to tie it, but Young Wei Koo missed the game winning or the game tying field goal in the dying seconds and handed the Kansas City Chiefs the number 1 seed in the AFC as the Chiefs well deserve the number 1 seed. The AFC playoffs will go through Arrowhead. The Steelers got their identity back after beating the Colts 28-24. The Steelers' O was nowhere to be seen in the first half as the Colts were dominating 24-7. And then the Steelers finally woke up at halftime. Apparently, Ben Roethlisberger started to call the plays in the second half, and it worked. They came all the way back to clinch the AFC North Division 28-24, and the Colts... Oh, what a tough, tough loss for them because they are now on the outside looking in, but they're still in it to get into the playoffs, but they're going to need help to get in. Chargers defeat the Broncos 19-16 in a meaningless game there. The Panthers defeated Washington 20-13 in Ron Rivera's first game facing the Panthers since becoming the Washington head coach. Washington had a chance to wrap up the NFC East division title with a win. That's all they needed to do. But Dwayne Haskins choked it away as Washington now has to win in game 256 on Sunday Night Football versus the Eagles to make it to the playoffs. If they lose, they are out. Also, after this game, Dwayne Haskins was released as he should have been released way earlier. I don't know why they kept him to this one. They gave him second chance after second chance. Didn't work. And the Washington quarterback situation is not confirmed for next week. It will be Alex Smith who's playing on a gimpy calf. Or Taylor Heineke. What a mess for the Washington football team. Yet they still have a chance. They win in the ring. The Seahawks clinched the NFC West with a 20-9 win over the LA Rams. The Seahawks have an outside chance at the one seed. While the Rams now face a win in their end scenario. But if they lose and the Bears win. Sean McVay and the Rams will be watching the playoffs from their couches for the second straight year. And even worse news for the LA Rams. They might be without... Jared Goff, who broke his thumb and went under surgery yesterday. If that's the case, John Wolford, I have zero clue who this guy is, would start for the LA Rams on Sunday. What a disaster for the LA Rams. First, they lose to the Jets, and now they get a they lose a, a horrible shot. They, if they beat Seattle, they could have had a chance to win the NFC West next week. Now they don't, and now it might have it might have to go. They might have to put their playoff chances in the hands of a guy who has not taken an NFL snap to make the postseason. Oh my goodness. Drama in LA. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles to officially eliminate the Eagles from playoff contention. The Cowboys, after all that, they are still in it. 
they have a chance to win and a Washington loss and the Cowboys after all they've been through this year could host a playoff game. Unbelievable. The Green Bay Packers route the Tennessee Titans on Sunday night in a snow game, 40-14. to Rodgers and Adams were on a roll all night long. The Packers just need a win and the NFC playoffs will go through Lambeau Field while the Titans need a win next week to clinch the AFC South. So it's not all bad for them. The Buffalo Bills sweep the New England Patriots on Monday night for the first time since 1999. 38-9, it was a blowout. It was not even close. The Bills are now in play for the two seed if they win on Sunday. The Pats are looking ahead to the offseason and what should be a very interesting offseason for Bill Belichick and co. So after all those results and recapping what happened in Week 16, now I'm assuming you're probably wondering, well... What goes on in week 17? Who needs to clinch what and what's going on in the playoff picture? Well, let's get right to that. And we'll start with the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs are 14-1. They are locked into the number one seed. The AFC playoffs will go through Arrowhead Stadium as it, it deserves to. The Chiefs have been unbelievable all year. They barely won some games, but they just have so much talent. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They deserve it. So the Chiefs are the number one seed. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the three seed, sitting at 12-3. and three. The Buffalo Bills occupied the two seed at 12-3 and three based on head-to-head. The Bills won the AFC East already. The Steelers won the AFC North after winning on Sunday. So the situation there goes, if the Bills win, they are the two seed. So the Steelers would need a win and a Bills loss to clinch the two seed. So it is between the Bills and the Steelers to get that two seed. The Bills, all they got to do is win and the two seed is theirs. And how about that for Bills Mafia? They have a chance where they may not just host one game. They could host two games in Orchard Park. Who the heck would have thought that that could happen? The four seed is currently occupied by the Tennessee Titans who were 10-5. and five. They had a chance to wrap up the AFC South but they lost to Green Bay in a blowout. They're sitting at 10-5. and five. They would still clinch the division with a win. So all the Tennessee Titans need to do is beat Houston, and they win, and they will host a playoff game on Wild Card Weekend. Or if they lose, if Baltimore or Miami loses, Tennessee is still in the playoffs. So the Titans still have a pretty likelihood of making the postseason, but it's not certain. Got to take care of business against Houston first. On to the wild card. This is where things get very messy. Actually, it's it's not too messy because here's the situation. The Dolphins ha- occupy the 5 seed. Ravens sit at the 6 and the Browns sit at the 7. All three teams are at 10 and 5. Here's the situation for Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland. All three teams just need to win and they're in. No help, no nothing. If they lose, then they're going to need to go through help and all that nonsense. But that's all they need to do. Miami beats Buffalo, they're in. Baltimore beats Cincy, they're in. Cleveland beats Pittsburgh, they're in. So the situation is not too complex for them. Where things get complex is for Indianapolis, who sit at the 8th seed. They went from being the 6th seed to now the 8th seed. The Colts are also 10-5. and five. Now, the Colts aren't just thinking about the playoffs. They still have a chance to get the four seed because the Titans are 10-5 and five and so are the Colts. So the Colts would clinch the AFC South division with a win against Jacksonville and Tennessee would need to lose to Houston for the Colts to get the four seed and host a playoff game. Or the Colts would need a win and a Browns, Dolphins, or Ravens loss. 
So if the Dolphins, Ravens, or Browns lose and the Colts win, the Colts would take their spot. So that is how the AFC wildcard kind of goes in that kind of situation there. It's a mess. There are four teams at 10 and 5. It's crazy to think that there could be one team at 11 and 5 and not make the postseason. I mean, I know in the past I've seen teams go 10 and 6 and not make the postseason, but 11 and 5? I mean, wow, the AFC has really changed since from years past where it was New England, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Indy, Denver, you know, the the same Baltimore, the same usual teams. Now you got so many different, like I'm very excited for the AFC playoffs. There are so many, I know the Chiefs are the team to beat, but when Pittsburgh plays like they did on Sunday, they're a good football team. I know they haven't shown that the past three weeks, but against Indianapolis, they woke up and they looked really good, especially with that defense. Buffalo looks, I mean, holy smokes. I have not seen a Buffalo Bills team this potent since like never in my lifetime. Bills fans definitely saw this, you know, years ago. But I mean, wow, Buffalo, Buffalo's doing something special right now. And if they keep this up, I the question is, can they beat Kansas City? That's the biggest question mark. But Buffalo... I would not want to go up there in January in that cold weather and play them. I That's a hell no. But the AFC, I mean, Tennessee, we know what they can do. Baltimore's red hot. The AFC is going to be something to look forward to. It's going to be a good AFC playoff there. Tons to see. We'll see what the matchups are like after next week. But the AFC, starting next week, the playoffs really start next week in the AFC, especially for those wildcard teams. To the NFC, which where the NFC is usually the jam-packed, conference and obviously this year we thought it was going to be a little more you know competitive but the Rams aren't looking so healthy right now neither are the Cardinals the Niners aren't there the Eagles aren't there so there's a lot of teams that we thought would be there that aren't there so we'll start with the one seed the Packers sit there at 12 and 3 they've already clinched the NFC North division they could not clinch the number one seed on Sunday night against Tennessee because I believe it was the Saints and the Seahawks both won so the Packers could not clinch all the Packers got to do, beat the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers have the number one seed and the NFC playoff would run through the frozen tundra. So the Packers, pretty easy way to go about that. And after the way the Packers looked on Sunday night, I would say that they're, they are the team to beat, especially if they have the one seed. The Packers look very, very good and they beat a very good Tennessee team the other night. The New Orleans Saints, who looked really good against Minnesota, they sit at the two seed at 11-4. and four. They've already clinched the NFC South division. They would clinch the one seed with a win, a Packers loss, and they would need Seattle to beat the Niners, and then the Saints would get the number one seed. So they need a win and some help to go from there. So it still looks pretty likely that Green Bay wins that game. But we'll get to the Green Bay game in just a bit. The Seahawks sit at the three seed at 11 and four. They clinched the NFC West division title for the first time since 2016. They would clinch the number one seed with a Packers loss and a Saints loss. And they would, of course, need to beat the Niners on Sunday. So Seattle, an outside chance, but they still got something to play for. Washington sits at the four seed. They let a huge opportunity slip up on Sunday, losing to Carolina. They sit at six and nine. They clinched the NFC East with a win. That's all Washington needs to do. But if they lose, they're out. So, Washington, their defense is very, very good. Their offense is not so good because we don't even know who's starting a quarterback. And they are relying on a guy 
who didn't even know if he could play football ever again last year. Can, could you believe that? It's almost a given that Alex Smith has won Comeback Player of the Year. But the fact is, that, especially if Washington wins this game and he starts, but the fact that Washington is relying on a guy that didn't even know if he could play football ever again a year ago is unbelievable. What an opportunity for Alex Smith. What an opportunity for Ron Rivera in Washington. But if they lose, they're out. In the wild cards, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the 5 seed, 10-5. and five. They beat Atlanta. They're locked into the 5 seed. They clinched the playoff berth on Saturday. To the 6-7 and seven seed, this is where things get a little interesting. The Rams are 9-6. and six. They clinch a playoff berth with a win. So if the Rams win, they're in. Or if the Rams lose to Arizona and the Bears lose, the Rams would still get in. The Rams would miss the playoffs entirely if they don't beat the Cardinals and the Bears beat the Packers. So the Rams... Man, if I'm Sean McVay, I'm not sleeping at all this week because let alone you may not have your starting quarterback, but now you need a win to get in against a team that also needs to win and they're in. That Rams-Cardinals game, I have not seen something so crazy like that in a while to have both teams need a win and you're in and both could be playing without the starting quarterback. Incredible. The Chicago Bears sit in the seventh seed. All they got to do is a win and they're in, or if Arizona loses, Chicago still makes it in. So the Bears control their own destiny there at the 7th seed. The Cardinals sit at 8-7 and seven at the 8th seed. They clinch a playoff, a playoff berth if they win. If they lose, they're out. So the Cardinals, Kyler Murray got hurt at the end of the Niners game. His status is uncertain. What a mess between the Rams, Cardinals, and Bears. I mean... It's, it's it's absolutely wild. The Cardinals have an uncertain starting quarterback. The Rams have an uncertain starting quarterback. And the Chicago Bears with Mitchell Trubisky could get into the playoffs. Who the heck would have thought that this would have happened, you know, weeks ago? It's incredible. And the way that I look at the NFC, I see it as this. Green Bay, legitimate Super Bowl contender. New Orleans, legitimate Super Bowl contender. Seattle, I think they're getting there. Tampa Bay, same thing. I think those are the four best teams in the NFC right now. Because when Seattle has shown when they're hot and their defense is playing really good and Russell Wilson's on his game, Seattle's a very hard team to beat. Tampa Bay, same thing. When that defense is on and Tom Brady is doing his thing and, and those weapons are doing their thing, the Buccaneers are a hard team to beat. And the Saints and the Packers, we know what's up with them. The NFC think it's going to come down to those four, as it should. Those are four of the best quarterbacks in you know, for the past era, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. I mean, that's awesome. And, and Aaron Rodgers, and that's a, just an, an unbelievable divisional round. And I hope that that is the divisional round. And to round out these playoff clinching scenarios, the Cowboys and Giants will play in Week 17. The winner of that game is in if Washington loses to Philly Sunday night. So the Cowboys and Giants, who sit at 6-9 and nine and 5-10, and 10, are not done yet. It's it's a wild time. Yeah, it's it's just it's incredible to see this many teams have so much to play for in week 17. Week 17 is going to be so much fun. Speaking of week 17, here are the games to look out for with these playoff implications. Dolphins at Bills, one o'clock on Sunday. Playoff implications there. Ravens at Bengals, also in that early slot. Steelers, Browns in that early slot, and the Packers at at the Bears, that is in the late slot. I skipped that. Stick to the early slot for a second here. Cowboys at Giants in the early slot. It's a great game. It's, and 
a lot to play for, especially in the AFC. You got Cowboys, Giants, and the NFC. There's a lot to play for there. In the late slot, you got Packers at Bears. Huge game there. Packers need a win to get the one seed. Bears need a win to get into the seven seed. Jaguars, Colts, Titans, Texans, big games there for the AFC South. Cardinals at Rams in that four o'clock slot. Huge game there. Both may not have a starting quarterback. Both need a win in the ring. Saints at Panthers, playoff implications there for the one seed. And then Sunday night, Washington at Philly. Philly has absolutely nothing to play for. Washington has everything to play for. It's the NFL at its best. This this is what we love to watch. This is what we love to witness. Drama-filled Week 17. I know it's not last year where our 49ers were playing in Game 256. But Week 17, this is going to be a fun one for sure. And now to the Week 16 Weekly Award winners for this week that you guys voted on. And we'll start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. The candidates for this week were... Alvin Kamara, who had a historic day on Christmas, 22 carries, 155 yards, and 6 touchdowns, tying an NFL record for most rushing touchdowns in a game. Mike Evans had a huge day against the Lions, 10 catches for 181 yards and 2 touchdowns, big day for Evans. Jeff Wilson, my guy, had 22 carries, 183 yards, and a touchdown versus the Cardinals, big day for my guy Jeff Wilson. And lastly, Ben Roethlisberger, very nice first half. The, the first half was awful. The second half, sorry, the second half Ben Roethlisberger had was phenomenal. Overall, 34 for 49, 342 yards and three touchdowns. The winner of this week for the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award, as much as I want to say Jeff Wilson, Alvin Kamara is the winner of this week's award. And I mean, anytime you break a record, how can you not win the MVP of the week? Alvin Kamara was sensational. Not only did he win a very big game for the Saints, but he won a bunch of people their fantasy championships. Those who had Alvin Kamara in are on their fantasy teams. So Alvin Kamara, the Jerry Rice MVP of the week for week 16. On to the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award for this week. The candidates were the Pittsburgh Steelers making that nice come-from-behind win over the Colts, the Green Bay Packers who looked phenomenal against the Titans on Sunday night, the Chicago Bears who continue to roll, and lastly, the Miami Dolphins who had a huge clutch performance against the Raiders on Saturday night to keep their playoff hopes alive. The winner of this week's Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week that you guys voted on was actually not one team. But we have a co-victory this week, and it is the Green Bay Packers and the Miami Dolphins. Both well-deserved. The voting ended in a tie. Decided to give them both the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week, and both of them deserved that. The Packers looked immortal on Sunday night, and the Dolphins, I mean, what a win for the Miami Dolphins on Saturday night. On to the Cody Pickett L of the Week Award. We have two candidates. And we have two winners that also ended in a tie. The Detroit Lions lost by 40 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and looked awful in that game. And then for the Falcons, Young Way Koo missed the game-tying field goal in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. The voting ended in a tie. Therefore, both of them have the Cody Pickett L of the Week award. And I agree with this one. I think both of them were a huge L. Anytime you lose by 40 at home is a massive L for Detroit. And then Young Waku missing a, a chip shot field goal against the Chiefs. That is tough. What a what a huge, huge opportunity to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, the Atlanta Falcons had. That's a tough one right there. And lastly, the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week. For the second week in a row, the candidate was the New York Jets, who won this award last week. They won two in a row. And the other candidate was 
the Rams and the Cardinals both losing huge opportunities in the playoff race. The winner of this week's Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award was the New York Jets winning two in a row and the most definitely is a surprise to have beaten the Rams and the Browns in back-to-back weeks. Very impressive stuff by the New York Jets. They are the Surprise of the Week for Week 16. That'll do it for the week 16 recap of the 49 Away podcast. Man, was it a crazy week. And week 17 is only about to get more wild. In the final week before the NFL playoffs, so much at stake for teams in the AFC. So much at stake for teams in the NFC. Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Colts playing for their playoff lives. So are the Tennessee Titans in a way. And then in the NFC, the Bears, Cardinals, and Rams fighting for that last two wildcard spots in the NFC. Cardinals and Rams don't have a starting, may not have a starting quarterback on Sunday. Crazy stuff there. Should be great. And of course, the NFC East needs a champion. Three teams could be it. Who will it be? We'll find out in Week 17. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week when we will recap Week 17 and preview Wild Card Weekend. Don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. Hope everyone has a great week.